Expression is one of the most powerful tools we have. A voice, a pen, a keyboard. The real change which must give to people throughout the world their human rights must come about in the hearts of people. We must want our fellow human beings to have rights and freedoms which give them dignity. Article 19 is the voice in the room. Welcome to our latest mini podcast with a returning podcaster from Article 19, Kristen Waitaki. She is an author, a mentor, a teacher, a mom. I am happy to say over the course of the last few months has become a friend. And we have lots and lots to talk to her about because she has been writing a series of articles for Tamman all around getting comfortable with discomfort, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. She's looking at employer biases in the first two articles. And in her latest article, she really looks at it from the employee lens. Hello, Kristen. It's always nice to talk to you. Hello. Thanks for having me again. I'd like to get into just a couple of quick questions. Unlike our regular podcast, we kind of dispense with some of the extra stuff and we hit right into the meat of it. So I'm just going to jump in. This is the third article in the series that you've been producing for us. And the first two, as I said, focused on employers and this one on employees. Is there a theme that you've been able to identify as you've been writing that has crossed all of these articles so far? Well, I hope the theme that crosses all of these is not to give up from the employer side, Mm. not to give up on potential applicants who may have more potential than they realize to biases in what they've traditionally sometimes thought of applicants or their own ability to work with them. And on the employee side, just go out there, get the experience that you can get, you know, really do your very best in the interview to show what accommodations you need, but also to show yourself beyond the disability, along with the disability, including the disability, all those things together, and uh, hopefully have the perseverance to do it as many times as you need to without getting too discouraged. You know, I totally agree with that assessment in terms of themes that have crossed everything else. And I think there's one other one that I'd like to get your take on, and that is building relationships and taking the time to build relationships, both from the employer to their prospective candidate, but especially in this latest article, you know, putting yourself out there and whether it's networking or volunteering or other things that you've mentioned, it's taking the time to build some relationships. Can you talk a little bit about building relationships and the importance from both sides? Yeah, from the employer side, I think that I've been fortunate enough to interview candidates for internship positions and to help when I was working in a college student program to help with interviewing candidates for mentors, for mentor positions rather. And I think that Mm. interviewing is very important, but there's also this awkward, superficial feeling to the whole experience from both sides. But when you're interviewing people, you're almost looking for certain answers, but you say you're not because the questions are open, but you know, things you're looking for, things you are not looking for. And I think it can be very difficult. And I know this from both sides of the interview experience, but it can be very difficult to just remember that each person is a human being, somebody you're going to have a conversation with and somebody that 
your job is really to connect with. So on the employer side, to connect with any applicant, to recognize their humanity, and then from there to still make an employment decision, but based on that connection rather than, you know, trying to push them away. And on the employee side, just networking, again, sort of hopefully will build those bridges to connect to different people, different experiences, you know, as individuals and as human beings. I don't think there's anyone who particularly enjoys the process of interviewing. And so thinking about, you know, if someone seems a little nervous at the start, or if someone is not hitting it on all cylinders, realizing that you're talking to someone who's doing something very hard, no matter what their educational background, no matter how many times or how experienced they are, putting themselves out there to be judged. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really difficult. So speaking of that, there was something in this latest article that you wrote that really, really struck me. Social justice has been at the forefront and in our common consciousness at a higher level, I think, especially over the last few years. But I read what you wrote where you said that as a blind woman acknowledging that you come from a place of privilege. I was really surprised reading that. Maybe I shouldn't have. So I want you to talk a little bit. I'm hoping you just expound on that a little bit more because I think from my own biases, I certainly don't pity someone who has more master's degrees than the average bear in person as you do. But I just found that to be striking. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So just for full transparency, maybe a little amusement, I added that into a revision. And so it didn't immediately cross my mind. And Mm. I think that that's very telling of people who essentially try to live anti-racist lives, but always have more work to do. But Mm -hmm. I thought about it mostly, honestly, because of my oldest child has nothing to do with this article, but I live in a mixed race, mixed ability family where we are, my husband and I are of different races. So our kids are biracial and we're blind, they're sighted. And my son was asking me kind of about our ancestors. And he was like, well, you know, all dad's ancestors had to fight for their freedom and your ancestors were all evil. And I'm like, (laughs) well, Okay, maybe we weren't slave owners. You know, I don't think there yeah, were any slave yeah. owners in our family. A lot of our ancestors were actually immigrants and came over after slavery. But it also got me thinking, well, okay, but you know, if the history of slave owning is really the history of all of us, and if I don't get the free pass just because my ancestors didn't happen to own other people, you know, what did they happen to get? How did they get ahead? And so I am still revising the conversation every single day with my kids. So back to the article, I do think that my parents were very aware of how the education system worked. They both were white. They were both college educated. They both had bachelor's degrees, basically. They knew how to work the system and the system worked more or less for them. You know, I think my mom grew up with some issues with male-female privilege that she had to contend with. But as far as the color of her skin, I don't think that really was as much of an impact for her or my dad. And I was very fortunate to have a good education. Um, I went to good schools. I worked hard, but I also came from people who knew how this worked, who knew what to do when, who advocated, who taught me to advocate. So I just think that that does have some important implications, at least with the cover letter resume stage Mm. of applying for a job. So, you know, then that may 
be canceled out when I get to more of the interview stage where my disability is very visible or maybe I suck at the interview. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from the times that we've talked and even this is an interview, we acknowledge it's hard, but you're great at interviewing, frankly. You know, it's interesting, you know, we're here recording in February, which is, of course, Black History Month. And I think often in society, we tend to silo as many of these issues as possible, but the intersectionality can't be missed when we're talking about this, whether it's gender, whether it's race, whatever it is, that disability intersects with all of these things and adds a layer of complication to all of it. And I think your article gets at that, I think, in a really clear way, because you even talk a little bit about, you know, gender and interviewing with two women with another man being interviewed and that there's a gender dynamic. So I think there's a lot for us to chew on in this article, for sure. So you tackle discrimination head on. You know, we're talking about this as being biases and things like that, even in the title of these articles. And I've heard it said that people with disabilities are the last group where employers and others can be openly biased and openly discriminated against them with little or no ramifications. And this is another thing that you really do hit this very directly in the article. What, if anything, do you tell your students about the world's willingness to discriminate, especially against people who have more visible disabilities? So when I work with younger students, I hope that in general, I keep the disability connection to me as a person or a teacher with a disability pretty much as positive as possible and sort of explaining like these are the possibilities like you don't have to just you know you don't have to be helpless you can learn you can accomplish things you can work in a field that you might be interested in working in I think for older students you know those in college or getting ready to look for that first internship or that first job I really want them to take the lead on explaining you know how they're feeling about these experiences. I do think there's a risk there of minimizing the biases that people might face as they go into the world. But also, I think it's important to build on their experiences and to come from where they are and where they're experiencing discrimination or biases, because not all of them will experience it. Not all of them want to talk to me about it, you know, (laughs) and I really just want to encourage people to get out there for the first or 57th time and do their best and then, you know, learn from what they've done. I just so appreciate the vulnerability that you've shared in these articles. And it makes it that much more powerful, I think, for the reader when they're engaging with it. So I just want to acknowledge that and the way that you're willing to not make it all about your lived experience, but really share enough so that the reader can take a moment and walk for a few minutes that they're reading it in your shoes. So I want to acknowledge that and I really definitely appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate yours too, uh, because one of your stories made it into one of the articles. (laughs) Well, we're always looking to share our warts at Tamman because I think that's honestly one of the ways that we've grown. And one of the ways we can continue to grow is to say, we know we're not perfect at this and we are creating spaces where some of these harder conversations can be had from the perspective of learning and growth 
rather than a place of fear or holding your tongue or not addressing it, which would, yeah. good Lord, be, you know, the worst. So where are you taking us next with the series? What do you anticipate talking about as this uh, continues to roll on? Well, the first article for employees or prospective employees with disabilities concluded with the interview process, and it was already getting pretty long. And so we at Tevin made a joint decision to stop it there. So I think it's sort of hilarious because it exactly (laughs) mirrors the anxious experience of waiting for the decision. (laughs) So it gave me a chance to joke around about that in my conclusion. And so the next part is what happens if you get the job? Ah, what happens if you don't get the job? Ah, you know, like (laughs) all those feelings. I get to put them off for a week or two and then dive in and do that. Wonderful. Well, I know I'm going to be looking forward to reading it. I really want to thank you for taking some time to hop on to this mini podcast. You can find Kristen's writings on any of our social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Tamman Inc. You can also go directly to our website, which is TamanInc.com, and you'll find all of her writings as well as this video and podcast there. Kristen, I love working with you. Let's keep it going. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank everybody who's taking the time to read, engage, and listen. And we'll talk to you down the road. Bye. If you like what you heard today and want to explore more about digital accessibility, inclusivity, or to schedule a time to talk with us, you can find the whole Tamman team at TamanInc.com. That's T-A-M-M-A-N-I-N-C.com. Or follow us on social media at Tamaninc on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We'll talk to you again next time.